Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. All right. Hello. Happy New Year. Is this our first new episode of the year? like the others have been i believe so yes patreon sample packs welcome along to the cold pop Shop podcast the the our our summer off season where we um do much harder work in a lot of ways <laughs> even think about that we we end film franchise fortnights for the year every year and take a few weeks off but then we do this series of uh end of year start of new year podcasts which uh take up a lot of all of our time yeah. <laughs> so we don't really the way you said do you ever think about that was very like 90s comedian oh, or, or like no, when i say 90s comedian i mean i mean specifically jerry seinfeld tim allen <laughs> oh, <right>. um <laughs> oh, yeah. like you know when he's talking about you know superhero movies and he's like so uh, no one can recognize clark kent when he takes his glasses off do you ever think about that do you ever think about how um, the pants, the the Hulk's pants, grow yeah. with his with his size? And for those who haven't seen this interview, this isn't Richard being like hopelessly unoriginal. This is legitimately Tim Allen's material. Um, <laughs> Tim Allen, I re- I've seen this on the podcast before. I reckon he might be one of the dumbest famous people there is. <laughs> I, I hope that he goes to bed every night knowing how lucky he is. He's in Toy Story. Yeah. <laughs> um i'm a great way to start a podcast by the way this is this is top tier top tier stuff <laughs> well it was it until you hung a lampshade <laughs> on it, jeremy do you have any more lampshades well yeah um, i mean basically just you you starting talking about how punishing these first um episodes are and it means it's absolutely not a holiday and i'm like yeah because the presence of jeremy just <laughs> following you around yeah. at the beginning no, of the year no it's the best part <laughs> no, it's a little bit there <laughs> This is um, our, what are we doing? We're doing the most disappointing films of 2022. I'm AJ, joined by Jeremy, who just declared himself just then, and of course, uh, Richard. Uh, so yeah, if you have you haven't listened to our podcast much or at all before, we do this every year. We do a little, um, it's probably, this is probably going to be two parts. I'm not sure how long it's going to take, but mm. if we get to, um, we, once we get to the halfway mark of the year, maybe let's see if that's where a good we'll place to stop. We'll see, we'll see. Don't you worry, AJ. Maybe it's one episode. Mm. I don't know how long it's going to be. I can still hope in my heart mm. of hearts that it's going to be short. Uh, but yes, yeah, so this is where we, allegedly we discuss what the most disappointing films of the year were. Well, this is the thing, because I've found out that people have not listened to these episodes because of the negative title. Hmm. And they think, so oh, I don't we want bunch the people. Title? Well, I don't know because I know that we've called it that because the idea is that it's more clickbaity, right? Yeah. 
Because everyone does like a top 10 of the year and you're mm, like, yeah. well, what are people not doing? People aren't just like ripping on shit. So yeah. let's yeah. do that. But no it is funny to that. know the only feedback <laughs> we've gotten about the title is people that don't listen to it because of the title. Hmm. Okay, mm. well, let's change it then. It's not the most disappointing films of 2022. It's the sexiest films of 2022. How about oh. it's just, how about we name it what it really is? The films of 2022. Mm. <laughs> oh, who's going to click <laughs> All on, of them. Yeah, All yeah of that's the even films. less appealing. An exhaustive list. <laughs> yeah. But only this podcast has Jeremy. <laughs> An exhaustive Jeremy. <laughs> talking for 20 minutes a piece about movies that sometimes two of us haven't seen that's what it should be called <laughs> i think i think it's much less of a problem than you guys make it out to be that's because you're the one talking for 20 minutes a piece about movies by yourself no i'm fascinated to learn about the bullshit movies you watch that i don't give a shit about look that's at true. that list how many of these have i watched that no one else has watched uh, i don't know if there's any. one there is one is it which one is it? Uh, I believe it is oh, Amsterdam. Amsterdam, and I am not going to say more than like <laughs> two sentences about that. Well, I would I would love to hear about Amsterdam, <laughs> like genuinely. <laughs> things things have changed um, since since in the last year as well, and and because if you remember last year, the twenty twenty one most disappointing films of twenty twenty one, it was very quick because the two of you spent a lot of the year in lockdown up in Auckland, and so you didn't get mm. out to see a lot of movies, and I had well, to- we weren't allowed to get out to see them. Yeah, yeah, and and I <laughs> had to um you know carry the weight of having seen the most films that year because i live in christchurch but in the time between then and now our lives specifically mine and richard's have have changed quite a bit and certain opportunities have arisen which now means that richard has probably seen two to three times as many movies this year than i have uh through his new uh movie reviewing job for one news in new zealand um and so Will that mean that the the hat is on the other head and that Richard will will, will now carry the, the lion's share of the episode? And I think the answer is yes, but it's not that I also haven't seen the same amount of movies. It's that uh, Rich has just seen more. <laughs> so Are you just trying to get in all your words now talking about this? Or oh, it- Jeremy, let me do my riffs. <laughs> let me be funny. Let me do it. We invite you on this podcast. Let AJ be AJ. He's yes. been look. He's he's had, he's had this like little monologue written down for weeks. Just I let him get about through this it. Just now. let him get through <laughs> it. The last it's thing I'll clear. say before we get into it, just so I don't have to do a pre-ramble up top, is that there will be spoilers for a lot of the movies we talk about. And if you look in the show notes of this episode, you will see time codes for what we talk about. And when we talk about them, so you can skip around and go, oh, I haven't seen um, Turning Red, so I'll give that one a skip until I watch it. But also, we're also grappling with the fact that we probably don't want to spoil movies for ones each other haven't seen. So some of them <laughs> won't be spoilers because we won't all have seen them. Well, I also want to um, just say as well, and I, I'm, I'm just getting ahead of you, Jeremy, that I am going to be just, we're going to mention, because we sort of see this as the other half of the anticipated films at the end, at the start of the year. So just in the interest of like mirroring that discussion, I will mention movies none of us have seen, but that's 
you know, it's people might be like, oh, I wonder what the guys thought of Hotel Trans- Transylvania, Transformania. I just want to make it clear we haven't seen it. <laughs> Please sound off in the Discord if you are the fan, the singular fan who listens to our anticipated again just before listening to this one so that they can get a refresher on what we said a yeah, year ago. I'll, I'll no, sing it's out. Not I, necessarily am the, I am the fan that does that. Uh, it, yeah, it I is also just do me. that. <laughs> what um, is the sound of one hand clapping itself? <laughs> but it's also, you are ve- venomous tonight, Jeremy. <laughs> but, um, it's good. I once described Jeremy as the villain of the podcast and I think he really liked that and, <laughs> and, uh, and I think, I think I'm the force. antagonist I'm the yeah. antagonist of these podcasts mm. that's what villain means alright um, let's get into this <laughs> not necessarily <laughs> so uh, January had the release of a film that AJ and I were both very excited about and that was Scream but we've already recorded a Patreon podcast about it so I, I, how much more do you want to say about it well we also talked about it on the most anticipated because we'd seen it by the time we recorded the episode <laughs> So uh, I don't. Uh, it was it was really good, and if you like Scream, the franchise, you'll like the fifth one. Richard, uh, I think, not necessarily liked it more than me, but like embraced it as his favorite movie ever more than I did. And maybe that well, does mean he liked it more than me. Well, you I mean, you, like you did that with Knives Out and Borat too. So yeah, okay, I'm allowed one. Uh, yeah, I was faking my love for those films. <laughs> was that the implication? <laughs> yeah, and Dune, of course, but the. Um, I just I here I want to point out that none of us have seen Hotel Transylvania Transformania. Um, oh well, why are we talking about it then? <laughs> Let's just fucking move on. Uh, Jackass Forever. Now this one, uh, Jeremy didn't see, but AJ, you mm. and I both did. I saw this twice actually. Um, why? You had a very because <laughs> you knew I wouldn't watch it, and so you had to make up for that. Yeah, oh, I, right, I wanted right, it to right. be seen three times. Um, yeah. Was, did I invite you to go see it? Or? You did. You invited him on pod after he said he didn't like Jackass. That's and right. And so he didn't go. And he didn't I listened come. Back and we, to and the I went on my birthday. Um, and you didn't come. <laughs> I have no reason. <laughs> well, maybe you should listen to your own podcast, Jeremy. Were, were there any bits this it's year? Your podcast, AJ, AJ I, as I you constantly <laughs> remind me. Haven't listened back. But were there any bits this year? Uh, I didn't get that far before I fell asleep listening to the sound of my own voice. <laughs> <laughs> the sound of one hand fapping, uh, clapping. <laughs> yeah, so it's funny. The um, Jackass Forever is like I, like, I thought it was great. And it's and it's so funny, this franchise that, you know, critics hated, but audiences loved the, with the latest entry had a critical success. Like it got in the summer in the eighties or nineties on Rotten Tomatoes. And mm. it genuinely seemed like critics worldwide were just happy to see the gang back together and the sort of celebration of friendship. But AJ, you had a very funny complaint about this movie that I want to talk about. Yeah. I think I, I think um, this might be uh, one of the worst takes I've ever had. <laughs> uh, and, and I'll, I'll cop to that. I was disappointed by this movie. It might be the most disappointing film of 2022 to All me. Right. No longer the title. <laughs> um, I I think I had an expectation going into this, especially with that interesting critical response, mm-hmm. and especially with how how the treatment of it like sort of how it was presented how it was marketed was like these old men are back their hair is gray but they're still here and i think i think because of all of that i was kind of expecting this movie to be a bit more 
profound than it was. <laughs> Just a bit more. Sure. And and people like critics were saying this. Critics were like, like they have they have figured out how to turn the stuff into art. And I think I misinterpreted that as being like there is there is more than meets the eye when it comes to Jackass. I remember because so they filmed some of it before lockdown, some of it after, and you can tell what was done when because Johnny Knoxville let us hear go gray and aj i remember you said to me that you were disappointed and part of the reason was like you wanted a narrative reason why he lets his hair go gray or you wanted like some kind (laughs) of it's more that it just jumps around back and forth and in some stunts his hair is black and in some stunts it's it's gray and it was kind of like oh so we're not even I like I kind and similar to how Borat Two did it. I kind of thought lockdown would play into the story, and I kind of thought like it would. The main thing I wanted, the, I wrote, I did a big Twitter thread about it, where a bunch of people replied and disagreed with me, <laughs> um, where I said that like I, you know, you know, you know, Hurt by Johnny Cash, the the Johnny mm-hmm. Cash cover of Hurt. I kind of wanted that to be the spirit of this movie. I kind of wanted it to be about a bunch of old men who because that's the only thing they can do. Hurt by Johnny Cash should have played in the trailer, I think. And it it should have been about all of these things. It should have incorporated lockdown into the narrative and been about like, who are we that we we are in our 50s now and all we know how to do is get a bunch of bees to sting us on the penis. Like, I think I was hoping for like a human condition examination which i don't think is too much to ask for i think that's (laughs) that's in in the realm of what could have happened with this film and instead it was kind of just another jackass movie i actually think uh jackass number two is the superior jackass that's like that's like saying you know if if in like 10 years time all the fast and the furious people get together and like you went to the movies. It's like, I'm just, I didn't want another movie that was just all about fast cars and doing crazy stunts. I mean, is it too much to ask that they <laughs> sit around and talk about the real meaning of life? I mean, really, I, yeah. is it too much to ask? It's like, yes, you're the only person who wants that from this. <laughs> I don't know if I needed a lot of it, but I was kind of expecting based on the the surprising critical response that there would be some more depth to it. And I right. know I, I'm the first one who said it was my worst take. So you don't need to say it. I hear to you. Me. No, I hear you on that. I, I've <laughs> also, I've also, I can't remember which movies, but I know I've said it in the past, in past years where like, critics have said something or there's been a general kind of hey it's actually really good and i've gone along expecting that and then gone what sorry what yeah you raised my expectations just too high i was a little bit i was ready i was ready to meet this movie on its own terms but you made me not yeah Mm. yeah maybe that's it maybe i was that's what aj did to me with knives out (laughs) on purpose maliciously (laughs) Richard and I have an in-joke that uh, because he didn't like Knives Out as much as me he's convinced I told him it was really good to bully him (laughs) (laughs) Um, so yeah I don't know I don't know if too much else to say just that like (laughs) it's 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 a funny movie but I think it's it's hilarious I mean like like there's he gets beast things on his penis Mm, that's true that's funny he like it doesn't that's funny whether you're 20 or 50 i'm sorry <laughs> the one the one thing i i i feel like i'm i can't like can't have been true in the, you haven't seen it jeremy have you no if i told you that there was a stunt in this movie where one guy places his testicle on concrete and then another guy jumps on it with a pogo stick would you believe me because it is the most like eye-wateringly like 
it feels like something you'd you'd find on Live Leak, and it's in this movie, and he had to get his testicle removed after the movie. Like they don't go into that in the movie, but when it happened in in the film, I was like, "You're kidding!" That's like the equivalent of like the Edward Norton like curb stomp. In yeah, it's American full History. on, it's like, and it's it's just in this movie, and they're just laughing. They're just like having a good time. And like in their defense, it's funny. <laughs> in their defense, it's fucking awesome. Yeah, yeah. Bro, that's fucking so. Um, next up in February was Moonfall, AJ, which you saw. <laughs> yeah, I saw Moonfall. A solitary yeah. green box on mm. our spreadsheet. <laughs> I watched this because uh, my flat was having a movie night, and we were like, "Let's watch something dumb." I did not suggest this. I hate watching. Yeah, I was like, "Doesn't your things. flat only like pretentious art house?" Films? Or this? They got they. There's nothing in between. <laughs> Wildly swinging. <laughs> they don't watch the MCU, but they'll watch Moonfall or like every A24 films. Solo. Well, Michael Bay is an auteur. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, he didn't do this. So it was, what do uh, you think oh. of Moonfall? Who, who directed it again? What's his name? It was uh, Roland Emmerich, wasn't it? Roland Emmerich. Oh, Emmerich yeah, sorry. Michael older Bay. Michael Bay. Mm. Uh, it's really bad and not really in a fun way. It's just kind of pathetic. Um, it's So it's about the moon is falling. Get this. The moon <gasps> is falling and everyone's got to figure out what to do. Uh, the worst part about it now, not so much when I watched it, but after experiencing the rest of 2022, is that the um, guy, Sam from Game of Thrones, is, is, is like the com- comic relief in it. And one of the recurring jokes in it is that he earnestly really likes Elon Musk. And it's not a <laughs> joke. It's like the movie thinks because the world loves Elon Musk, this will be a fun uh, quality for the character to have <laughs> so like they get a rocket to, to go to the moon and he goes like i love elon and it's so it makes my skin crawl now thinking back to it because of how but when you watch like, this in february you're like yeah me too yeah me too no i, I mean i never guy. liked it but but he's just so guy. much more like mainstream hateable now that it just feels mm. like it's such a weird thing to put in a movie um do you want to know what happens in the end do you want spoilers for moonfall sure they go to the moon, and it turns out it's hollow. So it's a hollow Earth, hollow moon theory movie. Mm. Uh, and inside it are aliens, and it's actually a ship. And in the end, they es- they all escape except from Sam from Game of Thrones, who stays behind to sacrifice himself or something like that. And then um, the main characters go back to Earth, where they now need to live in like a post moon. Like there's no moon anymore, and so they've got to like rebuild society. Uh, but the last <laughs> part of the movie is Sam from Game of Thrones wakes up in a in like an endless infinity white room and and some uh, there's like a his the this alien there that's taking the form of his, of his father or something i can't remember and he basically says to them to this character you are the moon now and he, and so sam from game of thrones becomes the moon that's a and real that's, like cool. aggressive fat joke <laughs> yeah right <laughs> it's quite bad taste <laughs> so yeah Horrible film. Not fun. Speaking of horrible films, uh, I'm glad that you watched this as well, Jeremy. Death on the Nile, (laughs) Kenneth Branagh's new whodunit. Um, Bad film. Bad movie. I don't know if you can say diminishing returns out of the idea of like remaking these Agatha Mm. Christie ones when the first one was already really bad. I actually never saw Orient Express. Yeah, Murder on the Orient Express, like just watch the original one, which I think Mm. is what I said in years past um the original one from the 70s is amazing mm. um kenneth branagh's remake why there's no renewed uh, it makes this- so much sense why are they not good 
Mm. It sh- they should be good. It's Kenneth Branagh. It's Agatha Christie. It feels like a a match made in heaven. It's a it's bum. It's a bummer that these aren't. It's I haven't bummer. seen either of them. <laughs> to be honest, but- Kenneth Branagh, like he's extremely good with Shakespeare. Um, he's mm. not that good at other movies. Like he's <laughs> got this enough. massive reputation because he did all this incredible mm. Shakespeare work in the nineties. But I mean, you think he's directed the the worst Thor by far. And um, well, well, that's up for far. debate after this year, I think. Oh, I didn't see it. Spoilers, spoilers. Um, um, and uh, like Artemis Fowl. Yeah, like he's just, he, oh, he yeah. got this reputation and I just don't think he deserves it. And I mean, there's fun moments, there's fun elements of it. I don't know that I'd meet you that far and <laughs> there's fun elements of oh, it. Like, Were there enough fun moments to fill the Nile? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. Like, I think character-wise, there's some there's some good acting in it mm. that I enjoyed, but that had nothing to do with the overall direction of the film. Uh, yeah, it's it the, just goes on forever. Yeah, I got the the relief because I I don't know this story. Like, I didn't read the book or anything, or seen any other adaptations. But got the relief when it was Gal Gadot's character that died. <laughs> I was like, God, I don't have to watch her for the rest of the movie. Um, and yeah, it's funny that like, yeah, I mean, Army Hammer is like ostensibly the main character of the film and then not in the marketing but there's also there's like a really funny scene with him I and Gaga are getting like getting real sexy but it's like this is two people who have never had sex <laughs> like yeah. this is two people who don't know what sexy looks like anti-chemistry yeah like, and it's like but the, the, the way they're just rubbing up on each other is like yeah. What the fuck was their direction here? <laughs> like, I saw I saw that posted on Twitter and someone was like, straight people shouldn't be allowed to direct movies anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this was... It's just dull. It's just dull. But yeah, Gal Gadot is like... I mean, now that she's out as Wonder Woman, it's like... What are you... Yeah. Yeah, going to come what, back into Fast and the Furious? She, she totally is. I think that's yeah. been confirmed. Yeah, she's coming back to. F- Even though she's one of the most like definitively dead characters in the franchise, <laughs> like you see her splatter on the like one hundred kilometer f- plane runway. <laughs> yeah, like she's she's playing Cleopatra apparently in something like this passion project. But I saw a behind the scenes video of Glass Onion, and it's like the Glass Onion cast answer your questions kind of thing. They're sitting on the set, and it's like Ryan Johnson and all the cast, and then they get a question, and that's like, is there enough? something to fill the Nile like someone writes in a joke like that and everyone kind of just goes like oh haha but Ryan Johnson like does the throwing champagne over his shoulder like thing (laughs) and I was like it's so good that Ryan Johnson is aware of the meme of how bad Death on the Nile is (laughs) (laughs) yeah I like the really frustrating thing about Death on the Nile is like it's gorgeous you know like the setting is gorgeous the idea of it like being set on a like the whole this the story they've been given by Agatha Christie is amazing hmm. and you're just like how do you take all of this and just produce almost nothing with it it's, oh, yeah anyway hmm. Hmm. Uh, do not see it if you don't um Gemma liked it though <laughs> this was a Gemma movie so you know it was one that I definitely got to let's see let's get her on next year <laughs> well she actually saw Richard tonight on on tv because richard's one of oh, richard's wow. reviews was on tonight and she she obviously hasn't seen you in a while she was like oh my god is that richard he's becoming aj because <laughs> <laughs> she she hasn't seen you since oh, you grew but, your beard yeah I've, and basically um, in Gemma's mind aj is just glasses and a beard yes and, <laughs> and i'm glasses and no yeah, beard, yeah, yeah, apparently yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> when did you not have a beard 
I, I, yeah, I haven't. <laughs> no, no, like like long beard. Yeah, like I, I, I did in my in my review that played tonight. It's very long, and I am letting myself get more disheveled because I want at some point the like TVNZ stylist to see it and be like, "Let's buy this guy some clothes. <laughs> Let's get this guy a haircut." Sorry, um, I, I just want to record the fact that Richard like. Uh, in defending the fact that Gemma thought he was starting to look like AJ, said, well, I am starting to let myself yeah. look more disheveled. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. <laughs> That's my brand. <laughs> coming, for, coming for my gig, Richard. <laughs> That's enough on Death on the Nile, please. So I'm, I'm surprised you didn't see Marry Me, Jeremy. Marry Me? The, oh, the yeah, J- J-Lo, J-Lo one. Yeah. There, were, there were several moments where I could have seen it and like... Uh, this will get mentioned later on, but I basically the bulk of the movies I watched this year were when I traveled to and from the UK on the plane. Oh, nice, nice. <laughs> and Marry Me was definitely one of the options, and I mm. I think wisely chose several other really much better movies. But yeah. anyway, I, I look forward to hearing the, re- the review. <laughs> Uncharted. This was... Oh, um, yeah. oh there's no <laughs> review because no one saw it. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I... I really liked Uncharted. What well, I really did liked you really movie. like it, Richard? I I well, I liked it more than I thought I would. Hmm. In my like, you know, when you do your like end of year ranking on Letterboxd, and there's like a movie that denotes when it changes from yeah, liked same. it to not liked it. Yeah. Um, I would say I, I I see Uncharted as the one. That anything below this, I would say I didn't really like. I and Uncharted agree. and above, I liked. It's it's I think Uncharted is my lowest three star film on my Letterboxd ranking. So I agree. I know exactly what you mean. That it's mm. like there is a moment where, uh, the, the, yeah, it's a film that represents a shift. Absolutely. Mm. It, it, like it was just I was expecting this to be the worst movie of the year. Absolute dumpster fire. Mm. And then yeah, there was a few kind of cool moments in it, and it was just like a fairly run of the mill action movie. I wasn't. It didn't destroy my love for the franchise it's not a it wasn't i didn't feel a massive betrayal as a fan of uncharted or anything like that the final sort of set piece where they're on two boats that are being airlifted out and yeah. are fighting between them and you jump between the two boats that is like a, a perfect uncharted set piece and i thought it was good as well because it's not lifted from the game there's so many set pieces in the movie that were just like lifted from a game which like the whole point is that you're playing it and not just Mm. watching it i guess Uh, and i agree i thought that was the best part of the movie and i kind of it made me wish that the rest of the movie was imbued with that same ingenuity i guess Mm. i will say that i was not convinced of the the swing you know the sort of swing casting that they did you know the the surprise surprise we cast these out of character actors as the main characters i don't think it ultimately paid off i think i yeah, sure. i think to- tom holland maybe but mark Wahlberg as sully was not not you know not a vibe and- hey <laughs> and he has like a moustache in the post credit scene and it's like yeah you can grow one this? yourself this it's so, so funny stupid. that 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 actually was the post credit scene after we yeah 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 Yeah, after we joked about that so yeah i don't know i i barely remember it i'm shocked it came out this year and uh it, <laughs> it and jeremy say it with me it did not break the video game curse you didn't say it with me Oh, I didn't know what you were going to say. He's too busy playing Bejeweled on his phone. I'm not playing Bejeweled. It's Candy Crush. (laughs) He played Candy Crush. (laughs) You certainly knew what I was going to say when we talked about it last year when you made fun of me for always saying that. So I'm glad that I've shaken that uh, stereotype. Good. Good. (laughs) Well, um, 
Another one that we, AJ and I, we've already spoken about on a Patreon episode, uh, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. One of the worst films of the year. This is so fucking <laughs> I'm, bad. I'm seeing so many people be like, you know, I didn't hate it. And I'm like, ugh. ugh. I'm seeing like, that about um, Jurassic World Dominion now. Ugh. ugh. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I thought Texas Chainsaw Massacre was really bad. We did a whole thing. We did a whole yeah, Patreon episode on it. So I won't, I won't dwell on it. But mm. I, I particularly hated the ending and just as i predicted as well last year i i really hated the idea of bringing back the main character from the first film even though it wasn't the same actress (laughs) it's so stupid to me to do that but whatever let it die it's and i'll say this we said this on the episode it's not the worst texas chainsaw massacre movie (laughs) (laughs) one that we have now saying so uh jeremy you're gonna have to pause um, final pause candy crush for a moment but the 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 batman the batman oh, yeah. the batman. batman this is another one that it's, it's crazy to me that this came out this i know yeah. it's, it's really frustrating because i remember watching it and i actually went to the movies to watch it and i was like i'm gonna go to the movies to watch this because this is going to be an important one to talk about at the mm. end of the year because it is like you know it's one of the films mm. and at the time i was like holy crap yeah this is amazing i absolutely love it and now i'm like I have barely anything to say about this movie. Like, I know that I really liked it. I know that I'm looking forward to the next one, and I definitely Mm. will watch it. I have few notes about it. Like, there's there are a few things that I was just like, but what's that? Um, no, no, I mean, like, what was that voice? Okay, (laughs) it's my it's my penguin impression, and Mm. I'm hoping that they bring in the penguin. (laughs) It sounded like Jared Leto's Joker. <laughs> Sorry, AJ, PTSD. Um, but so, um, I yeah, I really liked it. I did not expect to like it as much as I did at all. Mm. I didn't think that Robert Patterson was gonna. I mean, then again, why bet against the guy? He is actually a very, very good actor, mm. and he's easy to. Be, it's easy to be cynical about him because of like one series he was in, but like he's actually amazing and he makes some really interesting choices that I think align really well with the director's vision. Um, again, like I think when you have a main character, a, a, an actor who's playing the main character and a, and a director who find that synergy between the visions that they have for the character, it's very exciting. And I could absolutely see they nailed it with this. Um, I really, really liked the whole underworld like all of the characters within the underworld and how they like weave them all together and how you see the characters that we probably are going to be seeing in future films. You're like um, Batman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like Batman. Um, and Paul Dano, man. Woo! He was mm. freaking awesome. Like mm. that was a, I mean, he's, he's already, I think that was a one that really shifts him from like character actor who you go, oh yeah, that guy, he's great. To like, wow, he's a, a lead and obviously, mm. we'll talk about Fablemans, but like, yeah, probably I, next week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, the, it's a, the Batman came out when I was in China, and it was so I, I saw it like two, three weeks after everyone else, and I'd, I'd seen all the hype for it. I saw it in a you know reasonably empty theater, although there was one person sitting behind me um, who the shot when Batman is leading people through the water and he's holding a flare the guy behind me went there's too much cinematography in this movie <laughs> agreed um the the 
And so, yeah, I, I saw and I was like, I, I, and also the, the length as well. Like I'm when, uh, you know, when people come out and say like, yeah, the Batman's going to be three hours long. I'm like, cool. You've already given me a hurdle to liking it. Yeah. It's a similar sort of thing. I, I, I liked it. And, you know, everyone was over it by the time I saw it. And I was like, yeah, I mean, it wasn't something that I was like, hey, can we restart this conversation again so I can have it with you guys? It was just like, yeah, it was pretty good. eh? Yeah. Yeah. It was beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, there, there was a lot of cinematography. <laughs> yeah, too much. I did say that on the on our uh, look look ahead, most anticipated uh, of twenty twenty two podcast. I was like, this might be my most anticipated. And like you, Jeremy, I remember liking it, but also I don't know how much I have to say about it. I I really liked Colin Farrell as the Penguin. Yes. Um, and I'm glad he's getting his own spin off TV show, which I think is a brilliant. Uh, decision to make um and i there's nothing i really didn't like about it but like i don't know like i've ranked it um i was looking at my just looking at my yearly ranking i've ranked it 17th which is lower than mm. i thought i would give it mm. um and i don't know what it is i just i don't feel like i have any any I, I feel like the the most excited I got for this movie was the original trailer and then the rest of the movie was sort of just like cool yep this is what we saw in the original trailer i mm. liked the the use of uh the nirvana song at the start and the end of the film something's um, in my ass yeah um and i liked the scene where he tries to fly off the building and and fucks it up and i, I think i wish there were more stuff in it like that and what i think is a real interesting conversation is a lot of people being like oh this is the villains they should do next and stuff and like i feel like film twitter or, or comic book film twitter whichever side of twitter i'm on that are talking about this i feel like everyone's getting a bit too excited and forgetting how grounded this universe mm. is because people are like oh let's introduce superman let's let's make this the the basis for um the new well, yeah, dc universe the DCU. yeah mm. yeah um i the, as of recording this today um i believe matt reeves has explained that this is not there's going to be a Batverse and a DC. There's going to be yeah, yeah. a Batverse. I don't think we're going to get any supernatural bad guys in this franchise. I think they've already established too realistic mm. of a tone. Uh, and the like, because I remember thinking, I remember thinking the little contact lenses that were also cameras. I was like, this is stretching it a bit too far. So if, <laughs> if if that's pushing it too far, I can't imagine incorporating a comic book accurate Poison Ivy or Mister Freeze into it as much as I as I want to see those characters. I feel like those contact lens camera things, I could see them existing. Yeah, I guess it was. It just felt like far and beyond the most technologically advanced thing in the film if there were heaps of stuff like that yeah cool yeah whatever. and it's, and it's, it's like a, the the film is not set in kind of a very futuristic kind of yeah, in, exactly. in fact it almost feels like it's set in the 90s like yeah, i know yeah. that obviously there's events. yeah <laughs> yeah well no and and so to have like you know crazy tech in it, mm. it felt felt a little jarring i do have to say the one thing that does stick out to me about this film that was like, eh, was um, the chemistry between Zoe Kravitz and Robert Pattinson. I didn't really... Didn't like it? Didn't, I didn't really feel it. Like, Because I feel like that's one of the things people praise about the film. Oh, mm. I, I feel like... I don't know. I feel like I believed it from her. I didn't believe mm. it coming. I mean, maybe that's just, that's the maybe dynamic you, they wanted. Or maybe you're just more attracted to Robert Pattinson. <laughs> than like I felt like he was desirable, but I don't know. Uh, um, yeah. no, I, I just don't know what he saw in her. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, and it's interesting because I think that the the treatment of her as as Catwoman was brilliant. Like I love man the 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 story they gave her to play in was so good, and the character and even you know how they brought her in as she was the friend of the um the Russian girl, just really 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 good and i think this is i have a feeling this is a take that was done to death at the time so my apologies but the fact that it was really bringing it back to batman as a detective mm-hmm. um and he's actually really good at being a detective well, solving things he's not though was it not no i mean he didn't know what um he didn't know it was uh al rada he didn't know that it should be la rada oh right yeah yeah, yeah. There, there is like it isn't because because I, I there there was you know when the, when the film came out or when people sort of started to hear about it it was like oh yeah they're doing him being detective again now it's sort of swung in the other direction being like he's actually kind of dumb <laughs> <laughs> well i think it's more the the tone it's like because they did yeah. film noir which is very yeah, like yeah. it's the style of a detective well, it's film. not actually film noir though is it aj no, film. You can't make a film noir. It's a dead genre. It'll be a neo noir. Neo noir. Neo noir. Neo noir. Yeah. No, so anyway, no, I no, tone wise, no, brilliant. No, <laughs> loved. I loved the color palette. It was really good. I thought the final set piece dragged on too long. Yeah, because also it felt like the film was over, and then they're like, "No, nah, here's let's flood the city." Yeah. That's cool though. <laughs> I'm looking forward to a flooded Gotham and. Well, presumably they'll drain it. The Batman Two, the way of water. But it's 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 like I'm I'm all mean like that's a even if they have drained it, a city that like was momentarily flooded, like full of black mold. Yeah, and well, I guess I guess like yeah, sort of like like (laughs) that would that would debilitate a city even if all the water's gone, right? Like it's it's still it'll still create sort of a mini post-apocalypse, which I think is a is Mm. it would be a great breeding ground for crazy villains. I feel like places have been flooded though. Like cities get flooded all the time, and nobody bats an eye. Bat anyway. Very oh, good. There was also a joke reference. Uh, Ad, you didn't see the nobody Adam bats project a man. <laughs> you didn't see the Adam, the Adam project in the end. No. Turning red. Uh, Jeremy, you haven't seen this, but AJ and I both did. Mm-hmm. What do you think about the whole nine eleven thing? Oh, it was a terrible tragedy, and uh, the, the world has been forever changed because of it. I do. What is the nine eleven meme with this movie? Uh, it's set in two thousand two in like Vancouver, and uh, it follows like an immigrant family, and nine eleven has no presence in the film. I guess right. was the the argument from a certain crowd of the internet, which I do mm. not uh, find myself necessarily identifying with. Uh, I I didn't care about that. I really, really loved this movie. Yeah, uh, so I, did I. I I loved it. I think more than I was expecting to. It was my number one movie of the year for a few months. Um, mm. I just really loved it. I thought the it's it's kind of like um. It's very similar to a movie I would make a few months later, actually. I'm no, only just putting that together now that it's kind of similar to Big Baby. But um, it's it's it just appealed to me in a really specific and unique way. And I really, really loved the climax. I thought the uh, boy band was really funny. Mm. I Yeah, I just really loved this movie. Yeah, I wonder. Yeah, this has kind of fallen out of the conversation for best original song. But it was like... When it came out, it's like, oh my god, the fucking boy group is mm. the best original song. It it is. I I, I love the film. Um, I had it right at the top of my ranking for a long time as well. But it, it, it's one of these. There's films every year that suffer from being coming out that early, and I think that was yeah. part of my reason of being like, I'm gonna 
keep Scream as my number one film for the year, and I did. Um, <laughs> I still just this whole Bean Mouth Pixar thing. I'm I'm over and Bean Mouth. Yeah, you know, like like Pixar movies now, the characters all have the same design where they have that like annoying kind of Ardman mouth. Oh yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. But in Ardman, it's because they need to be able to articulate the mouth and yes, stop motion. There's a physical yeah, yeah. need for that. Um, yeah, whereas in Pixar movies now, it just feels unmotivated, but it's what they've decided all their characters are going to look like. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, yeah, I think I think it was a great fun movie. I think it sort of did teenage embarrassment very well. Yeah, and I liked that it was a movie where they mention periods and tampons and that was rightfully not treated as like... Like, I'm surprised actually there were no complaints from conservative parents about it, but like, it was just like... It was just cool to see something like that normalized i guess mm. uh, and i think that was that was a really important thing to do for in this film is to to actually be like not only is the, the this isn't supposed to be a subtle metaphor a subtle g-rated metaphor for periods this is blatantly that and it's an x-rated metaphor <laughs> it's blatantly that and i think it's important to 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 basically say like you should be able to talk about this stuff in a kid's movie i thought that was really good so now we've got a film that you guys both saw and I didn't. I I, I oh, always wanted Jeremy. to enter. Oh. The Lost what City. I saw this on a plane back from England. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think of it, Jeremy? I was so excited for this. I have to say I was a little disappointed. Mm-hmm. But then after watching it, I was like, why were you so excited for this, Jeremy? It was pretty <laughs> much, it was it was pretty much exactly what it was going to be on the tin. Yeah, it was okay. Yeah, like it, it, it performed all the functions that you wanted to. I guess there's a part of me that just goes like, I, I I long for the day when you could do that kind of movie with those kind of stars and that would be enough, you know? Like it was just like, it's like watching rom-coms now and just wishing that they would make rom-coms like Notting Hill and stuff mm. where all you needed was like two big tentpole movie stars yeah. and you basically had the entire movie in the bag and it would open it would be massive and everyone would be like oh this is one of our favourite movies of all time and it's like it feels like movie making like that used to be so easy mm. and now yeah like these sort of action adventure movies where they go somewhere there's a you know a MacGuffin to be found there's a villain you know there's people who need to and this humor i really loved the fact that they were going big like going for the humor and those sorts of action adventure kind of things and mm. like the use of brad pitt was brilliant like i do have to say but the, once they did the big reveal with that character it was almost too early but that was the joke and then it was kind of like for the rest of the movie you're like oh the energy kind of got sucked out of the room yeah because mm. yeah yeah i know what you mean i think um that uh, if if we were saying before about how uncharted uncharted is my lowest three star movie and that represents the shift the lost city is my highest three star movie and that also represents a shift i think yeah. so yeah. nothing really nothing really wrong with it just it was fine and okay it's um, almost like with yeah. those people in like sandra bullock is an incredibly good executive producer like she's mm. she knows what is entertaining and mm. so it's almost like with her in the movie, it couldn't be worse than it was. Mm. But it's like it's almost like it took all the powers of people who are that good at their stuff to get it to be that good. Mm. I don't know why. Maybe the writing wasn't good enough, or mm. like yeah, it looked cool. It was beautifully done. It was very like Sandra Bullock's hilarious. Channing Tatum was funny. 
Daniel Daniel Radcliffe was an interesting villain. He wasn't <laughs> like he was doing something different, which was kind mm. of fun. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I like I would recommend people who like movies to watch this, but mm. people who love movie people who love film should not watch this. <laughs> so my flat, it's it it exists in that valley of with my yeah. Flat. Your flat can't watch this movie because it's not yeah. bad enough for them to enjoy, and it's not good enough for them to enjoy. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> So now one that we've all seen, everything, everywhere, all at once. This is the movie of the year, you know? Like this got this, yeah, uh, this letter, is the little film that could. Letterboxd's highest rated film of the year. I, I feel like if the Oscars were run by people my age, I feel like this would be a shoe in for Best Picture. <laughs> but it's, it's not. It's got a lot of energy right doing now. Well. Yeah, like, like it's, it's amazing how much this managed to keep its momentum. I when we talked about this last year I had I hadn't seen any trailers I didn't know anything about it um I knew it involved around the multiverse but I I managed to see this film a couple of weeks early I just um happened to get tickets to a, a preview of it and yeah I was like blown away you know could, couldn't couldn't believe it and but one of these films that and this is what I still think about the film as well that's like this should not work as well as it does it's like teetering on a knife edge and i think that swiss army man the one of the daniel's previous films i think falls on the other side of that knife edge like it's swiss army man doesn't work for me and it's the same kind of thing that it's like all these crazy out there ideas that could work or don't and they don't know swiss army man but this is like skirts the line so close of it like it's this house of cards anything could topple the whole thing and it just it balances perfectly and it's it's just a phenomenal movie what do you think of it jeremy yeah, what, what, what? I'm just on the other side of the line. Really? I'm, and it's so annoying to me because I think that I it's jackass forever for me because like mm. I think every like people got to discover this movie. They got mm. to discover how good it was, and it was almost like that sort of word of mouth. Like, oh man, you really need to see this. Mm. And by the time like I wa- I started watching it on the plane in October. Um. <laughs> The fact that you specified the month means it felt like did this take you longer than a month to watch the I whole I literally thing? just finished the movie last night. Like <laughs> so I started watching and I think also it's just not a good movie to watch on a plane when you're really tired. <laughs> it's not a good movie yeah, to watch over yeah. four months. No shit, Jeremy. <laughs> no, no, no. So I'm saying all of this to say it's my fault that I right. didn't enjoy this as much. Like I'm I'm coming to this being like Damn, I wish I enjoyed this movie more than mm. I did. Mm. And the thing is, there's so much to love about this movie. Like, mm. Jamie Lee Curtis is fucking amazing. Like, everything she does in this movie, I'm just like, holy crap, this is such mm. a good performance. And, like, all the other cast, great. Like, they do they do a really good job. Yeah. It just... And I also think part of it, I'm, I think, famously known... Well, not famously. Famous on this podcast for just being like, I don't give a shit about multiverses. Mm. Like This just, is multiverse stepping into the prestige, though. Like, this we, is- But the thing is that, like, it's stepping into the prestige and winking at you as it steps into the prestige. Like... I mean, and, and I don't mind that it's crude. Like, I, I laughed out loud at the dildos, like, being used in the fight and, like, the hot dog hands. Like, very funny. I enjoyed those. I just... Nothing's more crude than hot dog hands. <laughs> um, I just... I, it, it wanted me to take, like, the central themes more seriously than I was willing to take mm. them. And I think also my biggest complaint about the film, and this is probably, again, I'll just say, due to the fact that I was, like, on a plane and tired when I started watching the movie, I felt like the beginning bit in the laundromat went on for too long and I lost interest. 
Yeah, I was watching the film in the cinema. I did have a couple of pacing issues, but I, I, I haven't seen it since in the cinema. Uh, but the some of its parts was just like you know. Yeah, and when I anything. and I think like things and and I think that this movie really requires you to be in at a certain point. And like I was not in by the time they showed you the everything bagel, and I was just like, really. Like it just, yeah, yeah, I can it, it. and 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 again, I'm like, if I was in on this movie, I know mm. that I'd be like, wink, wink, love it, awesome, let's go. So yeah. I'm just taking myself but out of this, I'm, but just saying that's how I responded <laughs> to it, and I know the reasons probably why I responded to it yeah. that way. I'm going to uh, put words in your mouth here, though, Jeremy, right, and I'm going to assume that because this is what I think makes this movie so special, and like it's such a big thing for everyone, is that like. This film that was made on a tiny budget, the the VFX was done by like nine people, and it's like this little word of mouth thing that Mm. could, like this film should have bombed and feels like in any other year it would have, in any other year it would have been this like flash in the pan and come Oscar season it's not in the conversation at all, but it's like it's managed to just people are still talking about it. It's still getting this praise. It's now getting awards recognition, and I I would hope, and I, I think that like you, you know th- that's a good thing, right? Like we, we totally. want to see more movies like this yes. be made and be they have those kind of totally. Things, and yeah. that's why I'm caveating everything I'm saying yeah. because because you still feel like that, right? That yeah, like, yeah, I, we, I yeah. love the fact that um uh, cannot remember his name, but the guy who played Short Round, like everything that just happened at the Golden Globes yeah. with Michelle Yeoh, I'm like, yes, this is awesome. This is so good. Love the Daniels, like their whole, you know, like how amazing that this thing blows up for them and they've become this hot ticket now. All of it, great. Happy for everyone. I just wish I enjoyed it more and that's probably my fault. Um, mm. The thing about the Daniels though is that it feels like, oh, they've, they've finally honed their craft. You know, like I said, I didn't love Swiss Army Man. I never saw um, Dick Long is Dead, but they... It, like their next film could be horrible. <laughs> <laughs> like that's the thing that that like you know, any other director you'd be like, oh sweet they've cracked, I uh, can't wait for the next film. The next film I'm probably still going to go into a little bit reserved. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Because they're taking big swings. And yeah, and it's re- like but I, I would I love to see big swings. I I would love to see them be able to get. I mean I mean the the cast of this film is amazing, but getting those big name actors that they'll have people wanting to lining up around the block to work with them now but you know you get a big name actor in a film more people see it mm. it, it does better so it's like I, I do want to see them you know be working with the biggest actors in the world even though their casting up until now has been perfect but yeah hmm. all right everyone strap in for my opinion on this movie we've already been talking about for quite a while <laughs> oh, sorry aj <laughs> Um, so, uh, I didn't, I wouldn't say I went into this blind. I had seen the trailer and thought it looked awesome. And, uh, Richard had seen it and told me it was awesome. And I think he did that to bully me. Yeah. That was um, to hurt your feelings. It was to hurt my feelings. <laughs> um, because while I gave this five stars, I think it's, there's a lot of social pressure to give this five stars. <laughs> Did, uh, I just, I like, did I just release you to be honest, AJ? No, I was always planning to do this, Jeremy. Don't <laughs> worry. I no, I don't. I don't necessarily have have things to complain about beyond just like uh, it was maybe a touch overhyped for me, and I was maybe expecting um, something else. I I wouldn't say I identify with your complaints, Jeremy. I loved all the the weird and and wacky and and out there sort of. Um, jumps and 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 swings they make what i didn't like about this movie 
is and this is something i feel like i've said as a complaint about several movies and richard always makes fun of me and he's got he's about to say oh so you would have rather they had told instead of shown uh, but i <laughs> getting ready his, his lips are pursed to say it. i i think this movie has walked into the cinema late energy uh i think that when there's that moment in the elevator at the start where um where the husband turns it like switches dimension version and turns around and starts giving her the rundown and it felt like this should have been the second scene where something weird happened not the first scene like it felt like i i i personally felt like i missed something the whole movie and yes. the rules the rules of the universe felt like they ste- they skipped step one and I'm supposed to because I've seen the trailer I should know what's happening and it doesn't matter that I, the, the movie should I don't, it, it, yeah it kind of felt like they were relying on people having seen the trailer well, yes. okay so this is an interesting thing so a few things there one um, it seems like you would have rather the film told you rather than showed you yeah even though that scene is literally a character saying something telling something <laughs> yeah i um i mean i didn't see the trailer and i you know followed that fine i think that you know i'm sure michelle yo's character wanted more context for the things that were happening to her but she didn't and neither did we as the audience like you no, you say that but she she just accepts everything she the, she had very little what's going on mo- like i'm go, not you know at as low of an ebb in life as michelle yo's character was so i needed a little more convincing <laughs> whereas she was a total desperation I, I say, the biggest I, failure in the multiverse if you know what i mean the the the, the line that's like out of every possible version of the multi because it's like the the idea of this multiverse is that every time you make a decision it's like it it veers off and it's the idea is you're the key to this because every single decision you've ever made in your life was the wrong one and i was like god i relate so hard to this character (laughs) like that was i've never felt more seen in a movie yeah because they're like they're like you're basically you're you're a because what's her character's name uh, Evelyn, you're you're the Evelyn with the most untapped potential in the multiverse. Yeah, right, because right. nothing you've done in your life has like you been the right. You haven't succeeded at anything. Yeah, and so yeah. you can access everything. Yeah, and yeah. and I was like, fuck yeah, we need more characters like this on screen, um, who you know make me feel seen. But the, um, I all right, six o'clock news movie reviewer. <laughs> What a failure. Well, okay, when I saw this movie it was true. <laughs> I I I I will say this about it, like I'm absolutely going to watch this again before we cover it again for the Oscars because like so it, I, it, yeah, this this whole year it's just felt like I did not necessarily receive the same movie as everyone else. And like this genuinely, genuinely it feels like and I don't think this happened, but it genuinely feels like I stopped paying attention for a couple of minutes towards the start of the film and missed something and it's not like I found the whole thing hard to follow. It just felt weird that the that the movie hadn't laid out the rules and things for me. I no uh, I, compl- yeah, I completely you. agree. Yeah. I had exactly the same experience and I felt right. like I was I couldn't sit in and enjoy the film because I was constantly feeling I was trying to catch up. What, I, and I don't, I mean, I, like maybe that's a thing they were wanting for the viewer, yeah. but I don't think it was a good choice. I think you're supposed to feel like Evelyn, like constantly playing catch up. But I would say that I think maybe you guys actually did just miss the first few minutes of the film. 
I did not. I I, I, I have no recollection of feeling this. <laughs> Fun fact: I did I did walk in late to Swiss Army Man. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah, I I I don't know. I think. I, I again I gave this five stars, so don't get fucking mad at me. It's a it's a low five stars. It's it's the second to last five star movie uh in my in my ranking currently. Um the last one is Scream, so there you go. <laughs> um but but like I don't know. It's it's more like what it is, it's 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 I don't necessarily like this movie for its story. I like it for like literally everything else in the film you know but it's it's it all at once yeah it's story just i think i need to give it a rewatch i'm clearly i'm wrong about this (laughs) so i'm not coming out trying to say it's overrated i'm saying clearly i missed something i should give it another go yeah well i'm not like saying this to be like no you're wrong i disagree with you but it's like i mean i i got so much out of this film's story and the relationships in it and yeah this idea of evelyn and um and her husband's relationship and and her sort of realizing where she is in life like this so okay the for some context of where i was in my life as well that i um everything ever all at once came out and i was like debating i got to see it a couple weeks early like i said but i was debating for like those two weeks should i like trying because i was so touched by this movie and the fact that i got to see it earlier i was like should i like write an article or like a review like you know um something about this i not long after this i got to see um the unbearable weight of massive talent early just at like they were doing an advanced screening of it that i bought tickets to and so everything ever all at once came out the following week unbearable weight came out the two very long titles um uh, in back-to-back weeks and the unbearable weight of massive talent was my first review i did and so everything else has, has started everything good that's happened in my life this year um including getting engaged has happened from that first review and and i think everything ever all at once like i'll always regret that not being my first one um because i was like oh, I, I it should have been my that it's a strange twist for the story that it sounds like you're, you're explaining why this movie is is such an important milestone in your life, and then you're like, "But it sh- I did it wrong. It should have been that." It's actually represents a disappointment. Don't worry. In the it, in the film version, he will make that. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, the, yeah, yeah. The, the, the thing the is, movie, that it's the adaptation like... <laughs> of your life, Richard. It's it's everything, everywhere, all at once. That's your first review. Uh, well, I think no, like much like Evelyn, she needed to be shown all the wrong decisions she's made in her life to show that she can make the right one, and then and I I missed one more decision but i mean like hey um who knows if it would have turned out the way it did if i'd done that as my first mm. one mm. that's cute i like that story richard that's good story. that sounded so sarcastic but no I'm, I'm like look at my face i've actually yeah, yeah that's why i can't tell <laughs> i'm looking at your I'm looking face at your face and you look like a shit bag <laughs> <laughs> morbius is up next <laughs> oh wow okay <laughs> another one we've done a patreon episode on richard maybe we should stop doing patreon episodes on new releases because it just ends up here we were like well we've already talked about this behind a paywall so i guess that's useless now <laughs> what's really great is that all the ones that you do for patreons i don't see for some reason so i'm like cool no, not spoiled for me <laughs> So, Jeremy, you didn't see it. I don't know. Do you want to hear any thoughts on it? I mean, uh, other than is it as bad as we all thought it was going to be? It's actually or? really good. Really? Mm. Oh, there you go. Well, well, I tell you one thing. It's, good enough for me to actually watch it? No. Okay. I'm, I'm kidding. It's not the worst movie <laughs> of the year, though. 
because do you know what it is (laughs) it is the next film we're talking about the bubble this is i i can't even really call this my most disappointing of the year because i was like uh like it didn't look like i was expecting maybe just like a turn your brain off comedy like you can chuck on and be like yeah i had a fun time oh this is the covid one the covid one judd apatow covid one yeah um this was the worst film i saw all of last year <laughs> and that's including the netflixmas films we, we covered oh wow. the bubble was so fucking bad like aggressively bad. aggressively bad so it's i think my review for it was like it's like a comedy where comedy got covid and didn't come to see it <laughs> <laughs> um it was just like so so aggressively unfunny and it's like the joke of it is supposed to be that it's these this cast of rich a-holes that are making a movie during covid and the director goes crazy essentially and says like and keeps them all hostage and so they're filming this film for like a year and they're they're stuck in lockdown in this bubble and so part of the joke is supposed to be like oh look at these privileged a-holes having to like you know live in a mansion and be locked down when other people had it tough so it's like it, it I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Is aware of that, but it, that's also just the entire film. Yeah, there's only so far that being self-knowing about being a privileged yeah. asshole gets you. Yeah. Like you can only say, oh, we know enough times and then you're just like but but what else yeah and so and it's also like the the it's this is the worst example of like the judd apatow school of filmmaking that's um all right in this scene we need you to um have an argument about um uh jeremy used drugs on set and you and i will just have an argument back and forth with no script no script and at some point judd apatow will go okay, good, that's the line we end the scene on, cut, and then we'll move along to the next scene. And it's like, but this is, I mean, they, they're they funny enough people. They're not comedians. It's like uh, Pedro Pascal, Karen Gillan, um, Leslie Mann's in it, uh, David Duchovny. It's like these actors that you're like, oh, yeah, I like them and stuff, but none of them are like, it's not their job to improvise comedy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you do this that's with- That's what they're known like, for. Yeah, you do this with something like This Is The End. It's like, that's a group of actors together in a household mm-hmm. and they know how to bounce off each other. This is mm-hmm. a group of people you've put together who aren't friends no in real life. chemistry. And um, yeah, so it, like literally every scene is just, and then it ends. Like, it's it's so oh. bad. It's 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 so- genuinely genuinely horrible and it ends with like a um tropic thunder thing where it's like they made a movie about making a movie not necessarily my most disappointing of the year probably is but it's definitely the worst one of the year i saw right apollo 10 and a half a space age childhood i was quite like water so i never actually saw it but yes yeah, so it's been it? it's been like should we watch it tonight in my flat for movie night mm. for like six months <laughs> yeah um sonic the hedgehog 2 this was available to me on like three flights this year <laughs> and i and i was always like i'm gonna watch it but it's like it's just over two hours long i think and i think when i went to america and back i don't think i watched any films because i just like i i just i just was so out of it i just couldn't watch films oh, wow. at the time but um if i had it would have been sonic the hedgehog 2 <laughs> cool story bro but aj you watched it 
I watched it. Um, it's probably better than the first Sonic the Hedgehog. I think the most shocking thing to me was like, I remember going to see Sonic the Hedgehog uh, just before New Zealand went to lock into lockdown. And now, and I mean, we were going to see the second one. I was like, uh, wow, a, a franchise that is two movies in entirely contained in the COVID era is, was kind of interesting to me. Like, I went with the same guy who I go to movies with. Shout out to Josh Motson. And it's like, I remembered when he picked me up to go see the first one. And now he's here to pick me up to go see the second one. And it was just kind of You like still a, can't drive. Yeah, because I still can't drive. <laughs> um, uh, Did it break yeah. the video game curse? Uh, I think other people like Sonic the Hedgehog movies more than I do. I didn't really like it. I, th- I think Jim Carrey's really funny in it. Um, he has a great line where he meets Knuckles the, Hed- the Hedgehog, Knuckles the Echidna, played by Idris Elba, uh, and he's he's just riffing. Like, he's just going on and on and on. And one of the things he says is, um, if you don't know how to floss, you'll be lost without me. And he like <laughs> does a floss while he says it, and I was like, "That's great." And that's my main memory of the film is that he says, "If you don't know how to floss, you'll be lost without me." Uh, and yeah, that was funny. Do you want to know what happens in the end? <laughs> yes, Shadow, Shadow the Hedgehog is revealed. So I'm looking forward to hearing which actor gets cast as Shadow the Hedgehog because that Dame be Judy Dench. Next up, we've got Ambulance. This is one that I wanted to. I've been wanting to see this all year. And then Patrick H. Willems did a video about how it's real good. And now I'm like, well, now I don't want to visit it and find it's actually good because I'll just look like I've <laughs> ridden his cocktails. Um, Father Stew came out twice. I don't think any of us saw it either. I didn't even know if it came out in New Zealand, to be honest. I have no idea what it's about. Or um, it's, in, it's like it? a Mark Warburg is like a tough guy and then becomes a priest. And then they um, re-released it as a PG-13 movie called Father Stew Reborn and it bombed both times. Oh my gosh. It's a, uh, it's a faith-based film. It's like yeah. legitimately like a Christian film. Oh yeah, well, because Mark Wahlberg is like, He's becoming more and more Catholic as he after ages. I believe after that film he said he doesn't want to do any more films that don't like he he phrased it in some weird way, but I was like essentially doesn't want to do any more films that don't help people or something. Fantastic Beast Secrets of the Double Door. I mean, we did a whole fucking Harry Potter podcast. This one isn't even behind a paywall. I, I had to make a call um on Thursday night as to whether I was gonna watch this or the Fablemans, and I am so glad I watched the Fablemans. Yeah, nice. <laughs> Just interestingly though, with this film, since we've talked about it, they've said, yeah, they're not when we talked about it on the podcast it was like oh you know see how it does they may or may not do more but now they've said it seems like unequivocally this is the end of the harry potter franchise there's talk of a reboot but i don't know how true that is um but there's no more fantastic beasts films on the slate anymore wow i thought this one wasn't as bad as the second one i thought it was okay Oh, it's um, much better than the second one. <laughs> yeah, but, but, yeah. Oh, not not at all enough. For, and, and more, I, when we talked about this for probably about two and a half hours earlier uh, or uh, last year, but it's more like they're all all t- all three movies are movies that make me go like, "Fuck, you could have done this way cooler." Fuck, mm. like there's there's there are shades of really great ideas that just aren't utilized at all. So. Mm. But also the funny thing about this one is that like Mads Mikkelsen is so good and makes so much sense as Grindelwald that it's like, why wasn't it just him? But yeah, it, it is interesting because I saw people be like, and I think we talked about how it's like, oh, you know, it make, kind of makes sense as an ending, but it doesn't really, it, was, it didn't feel like a finale. Hmm. Bad guys, none of us saw The Northman. This is one Ooh. all of us saw. Oy. Did we? 
Oh, interesting. Yeah. I saw it recently. I, I, this was the, when I went to England, this one came out. And so it was sort of just like, I was trying to stay out of cinemas so I didn't get COVID. And mm. so when yeah, I went to- we all to, went on big international holidays this year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Last year. When I went to- um, I went on two, but- yeah. the, the one, the one <laughs> movie- the one movie I managed to see in theaters in, in England was Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, and I tried to see The Northman but couldn't couldn't get in, couldn't like it just wasn't playing at a good time. Um, so I watched it recently. I really liked it. I thought it was really fun, and and I really liked um a lot of the the what. You thought The Northman was fun? Yeah. <laughs> Holy <Jeremy>. crap. <laughs> What do you what do you think that people didn't like this movie? No, no, no like I think if you like fun's this, the wrong word. Yeah, yeah. fun. Right. Like this oh, okay. this movie. I thought was... You were about to say you hated it, and I was like, okay, well you're the weird one. So no, no, no. Like this. Down. I mean, this. I think this this movie is impressive. It's um, <laughs> uh, like there's there's all kinds of like really good it was adjectives fun you can and use. Quirky and light. It was just a light fun. What movie, movie are we talking about? <laughs> just turn your brain off. You know? yeah. yeah. Just turn your brain off and enjoy the ritual sacrifice of humans pegged onto a wall. <laughs> I don't know. I guess I don't have too much to say about it other than um, I like Robert Eggers, so I wanted to check it out. And I think this is what I what, what I was most impressed about is within the you know the 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 premise of the film. Say the first twenty minutes um, happens, and and you know the the stakes are established. It's like how the hell is this going to be over two hours long? Because like you know you can see the trajectory of where the movie's going to go after the inciting incident happens, and it just feels so simple. But it keeps going, and it and it it kept uh, introducing new ideas and new twists. Um, and I really liked that, and I had a good time. I mean, it, it is very this. much the story of Hamlet. Like, I mean, right. and when I say that, and the fun fact. Shakespeare's Hamlet was based on the Viking legend of Amleth. So this is actually an adaptation of the thing that Shakespeare um, ah. stole for Hamlet. And so Amleth, you take the H from the end, put it at the start, it's Hamlet. Wow. How did you do that? <laughs> yeah, I, I I don't know that I'm fully on board the Robert Eggers train. I haven't seen The Vivitch, but I didn't love The Lighthouse. And Northman, I was like, I can appreciate this, but it's... I guess it's not my kind of movie, I'd say. Yeah, I I agree with you, Richard. Like, I I was impressed by the film. Mm. I was like, you, this is such a clear direction. Like, this is a like an aggressively told film mm. that is so successful in creating an entire world that you feel completely engrossed in. Um, yeah, like it just felt filthy. Like, you know, I just, I felt cold and, and filthy. And, you know, it's just like, um you know, when they talk about comedy movies that like, uh, or just the quality of a movie is uh, inversely, um, was it like, basically the more fun that a cast has making a movie, the worse the movie's yeah, going right, to be. Yeah, yeah. Like right. this cast must have had like had a such time. a terrible time making <laughs> this movie because, <laughs> but like everything just felt so awful. And I'm like, that's, that's really talent. Like that requires a lot of talent from the director to create that much mood and mm. atmosphere. Um, and it's just, it's so confidently told. I was super impressed by it, mm. but I was almost repelled by the story. Um, and, and and in that, like, there's something to take away from that. And I think that's, I mean, when we get to Banshees as well, I, there's a similar kind of feeling. Mm. Um, what I was really interested in is that I think this movie is an incredibly good 
example of completely taking the story out of the Western canon and telling mm. a story from a completely like pagan Viking yeah, yeah. sensibility of what that, story, that was actually what's actually yeah. important about story because when you talk about the Western canon where we value things like like basically because Christianity sits at the heart of Western civilization mm. and what we and how we tell stories because it was just so enmeshed in the way that everyone was producing art for so long that like ideas of grace, hope, love, you know, all these things that endure beyond, you know, particular characters. These are the things that people are reaching for. And when you think of the absolute desolation and hopelessness that ends up with this character at the end where he realizes that, he thinks he's the good guy. He's not even the good guy. Well, mm. at least his mother doesn't think he's the good guy. He, and she doesn't agree with his, um, you get to that point in the movie and you're like, oh, what's there left to hope for? And then he dies. But what's left to hope for is the continuation of his lineage. Like basically mm. the the lineage of like your blood going forth. That's a very pagan, like that's the best thing you can hope for. And so it's just really interesting watching a movie that's so embedded in a completely different mode of storytelling and a different philosophy um and a, yeah and a very stoic philosophy as well which is i think i think it was just interesting to watch mm, certainly yeah, not one i'm going to return to yeah, yeah. that like i feel the same way it was like the stuff that i appreciated the most about the film aren't necessarily things that i liked the most about the film that it's like yeah i love that a film is not making itself accessible to me and it's like, yeah, cool, man. It works for other people. And it's, yeah, it's cool they've done that. But it's just, it was a barrier that I didn't, I couldn't be bothered overcoming for the <laughs> film. And that's what I've all of Robert Eggers, both those films that I've yeah. seen, it felt like to me that it's like, ah, it's cool that you've made it like this. But this is, this means I'm, it's not going to be my favorite, but some people it is. And to be honest, I'll just watch Alexander Skarsgård and Anya Taylor Joy do anything. So, mm. you know, good times. Would you watch them do sex with each other? Well, they didn't, they though? <laughs> Did they? Oh, I can't remember. <laughs> yeah, man, you see her butt in it. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was, I, was, dude, I was watching this on the plane and I was like, I need to watch this because this is the only time I'm going to get to watch mm. this because like everyone else is sleeping. But in certain scenes, I was literally holding my hands on either side of the screen so that neither of my children could see it. <laughs> Just because you're so excited, it's like yes, yeah. yes. <laughs> um, I yeah, this also just like final comment on this. It's like this is I film I reviewed, and I remember being like this being kind of the turning point of being like, do I do one of these every week? Like I need to figure out a way to see the Northman then because I was like I I just would not have watched this otherwise. <laughs> the unbearable weight of massive talent though. This is obviously a very important film to me, but um, this is one that I overhyped to hurt AJ's feelings. Mm. <laughs> Yeah. Now I um. Why does no one overhype anything to hurt my feelings? Because you you can't be hurt, Jeremy. <laughs> I hurt myself. You um, really uh, you really uh, got me back for liking Knives Out, Richard. So you don't need to do it anymore. <laughs> you can stop. Now, um, I'm very aware of talent. I was I was blown away by this film. That it was. I remember like because this is one that we've talked about quite a few years on Anticipated, and then. I think the trailer had been out by the time we recorded last year and it was like, ah, damn, like it looks really shit um, after being kind of excited for this film. And then it came out and I liked it so much more than I liked the trailer. Like the worst parts of the film are in the trailer. The thing that tipped it over for me is that it's like, not only was this just like, you know, a, a classic meme film, 
written by the internet this was like a really nice movie yeah that it was like characters really cared about each other and characters were nice to each other and it was like if it didn't have that and you know a different filmmaker would make this like a super cynical version of this film Mm. and be like yeah we're making like a meta film about Nicolas Cage like we know what we're making but it's like no this was like made with real love for Nicolas Cage which I don't you know know that you necessarily like need to have but it was like Pedro Pascal's character was so much fun and just like and I think also it's interesting because it's not it becomes not a meme movie. Mm. Like it's sold with that packaging and it does it incredibly well. Mm. But at the core of it, it's actually a movie about friendship and how like, especially like friendship in your older years, like it's actually, it is, you know, very hard for men to make friends past a certain age, apparently. Like, Mm. you know, you basically, as, and especially I think commentary on like, you know, the insularity of fame, you know, like who can you trust now because everyone just wants to get to know you because they want something from you, all this sort of stuff. And then at the core of this movie, it's a really, really nice just showcase of friendship and, and actually people just being unreservedly for one another and being like, Hey, I want to be your friend and let's be yeah. friends. And actually a little bit like Paddleton. Um mm. like that sort of Which AJ has seen though. Yeah. Um and I was kind of I was really surprised that that's what this movie ended up being, and I just enjoyed the hell out of it. Mm. And it was just I had a big smile on my face the whole time watching it, and I was really glad that like at one stage I thought that they were gonna turn Pedro Pascal into the bad guy. And I, I was, was like, so excited no, he wasn't, yeah. No. And then I was really stoked that he wasn't. So yeah. yeah, I just no notes. Really, really fun. Loved it all. Yeah. And it was like this was the one I went into with like ex- wanting kind of wanting to hate it. Yeah. I was like, you know, now that people you know, it's this film I knew about for like two years, we talked about on the podcast, and now everyone else was finding out about it and I wanted to be like, Oh, I knew about this ages ago and oh you you know but and then but I was just like, it was just, it's just such a joy fell film that I just like, all that just washed away. The whole, I think the thing, the the moment that encapsulates the whole movie for me is the wall. Mm. Like, <laughs> I was sitting around the wall and then when he just like walks around the wall, it's like, hey. <laughs> so good. AJ, what did you think of this film? The wall thing was on the trailer and was one of the things that made me be like, this doesn't look very good. Mm. <laughs> oh, it I works better on the film. I didn't see yeah. the trailer. So uh, I don't know. I thought it was all right. <laughs> it didn't. It, it it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. But I don't think uh, it, there was no. I, I certainly didn't have the same reaction you guys had to it. It was okay. Did you watch it on a plane, AJ? I watched no, this on a plane. I watched it uh, with my family for what felt like a, a safe, uh, non-political uh, <laughs> movie that we could watch uh, with my family. I watched this the first family night, like family dinner night, after I'd had a horrific argument with my father uh, <laughs> a few weeks earlier. So this was like, ho- like they were like, do you want to watch a movie? And I was like... Oh fuck! Like any, like safety if, zone, safety yeah, zone. If there's a gay character in this movie, if there is too much swearing in this movie, if there's <laughs> sex scene, the, the worst thing in this movie is that um, uh, they talk about sucking dick at one point, and it was just this frozen moment where I was like, okay, let's drop the joke. God, and I hope move no one forward. sucks anyone's dick right now in this <laughs> living room. <laughs> And it was just a, it was just an enjoyable movie that my family from all different walks of life, I guess, could nice. sit and watch without having an argument about. And Thank you, Nicholas like, Cage. That yeah. was truly really the good. man who brings it all together. Yeah. Doctor Strange: The Multiverse of Madness. I mean, if you want a comprehensive Marvel 
uh, one. We did put two podcasts on it. Jeremy didn't see it, so he has nothing to add. This is making me wonder if we need to do this podcast every year because so much of the movies of the year are covered in like we this year we have we've covered a dozen movies on Patreon. We've covered all of the Marvel movies and Harry Potter and Jurassic World <laughs> on other podcasts. I guess there's okay. still other well, other I mean, movies. I enjoyed, to talk uh, about. Well, I, I was going to say I enjoyed our discussion about everything everywhere all at once, but we are going to talk about that in the Oscars episode. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we wouldn't have talked about the Lost City, AJ. Yeah, God, I, I hope uh, Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent doesn't get nominated for Best Picture. <laughs> Operation Mincemeat, this was a fun little movie starring Colin Firth and Matthew McFadden that I saw. It's, I'd say this is a Gemma movie, if you want to take this one it home. It 100% is a Gemma movie. <laughs> Gemma went to the movies to see this oh, with really? a friend, and she came back and said, Babe, you need to go see this movie. It is a lot more enjoyable than I thought it was going to yeah, be. Yeah, th- there's a few movies I saw this year, and I'll, I'll think of them when I when we get to them. But like these movies that it's like th- it's based on a true story, and the true story is so interesting that mm. it's like how is this not the, done the, before? Well, it's also but just like the movie doesn't need to be that good. Yeah, it just needs to tell the story, and so it's like is Operation Mincemeat mind blowing? No, is the story mind blowing? Yes, and so it's like the. The the movie does. It's Colin Firth doing a really good story. Yeah, it's and it's and it's just the movie is a vehicle for you to learn about this. The yeah. Lost King is the other one about the finding um, Richard the Third's remains under a car park. Oh yeah. So the movie's yeah, the movie's perfectly serviceable, but it's to just tell you, hey, this crazy thing happened <laughs> in real life. How about this for a repackaging of the yearly wrap up podcast? Is like. Which 2022 movie will Gemma most like? <laughs> what if that's the new gimmick? <laughs> the niche of the niche. Someone who's never appeared on this podcast, doesn't listen to it, hates her husband coming over for a few hours. <laughs> I, I like to think that Gemma's a character in the show. Well, mm. her sister-in-law listens to this podcast. There you go. Yeah. What, your sister? No, Zoe. All oh, right. Editor Zoe. We've talked about this before <laughs> on the podcast. <laughs> Wait, so how are they related? They're... Her brother married Zoe. So right, okay, right. Brother, yeah. Because I was like, Gemma's sister-in-law would be your sister. <laughs> people, other people can actually have multiple siblings, though, Richard. So what, what Jeremy's done is he's married a woman who has a brother. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that. And the brother, what the brother's done, sorry, I didn't explain it all. What the brother's done is married another woman. And that woman has been on the podcast and listens to the podcast. I think in-law is, like, too generic of a... Like, it means too many things. You I mean reckon. too many things. What do you mean it means too many things? That, like... Can we please stop talking about <laughs> <laughs> Like, yeah, we're being connected through marriage or through, like... Uh, yeah, because it can go like marriage and then sibling, or sibling then marriage. Both mean in law, right? Cool. God, we'll take I, it up with someone from the like seventeen hundreds or whenever that became <laughs> <a> thing. <laughs> for for anyone like wondering how blasé like Jeremy sounded, he's still playing Candy Crush. <laughs> <laughs> that's why he's like so uninvested i know how to hook jeremy back in and that's because we're about to talk about downton abbey a new era <laughs> throw right. his phone on the I'll ground i'll start playing candy crush on my phone man. <laughs> yeah. if we want to go from operation mincemeat which is a Gemma film to downton abbey a new era the ultimate Gemma. Movie. <laughs> i'm telling you it's the new package for the podcast um what do you think of a new era 
Oh, I can barely remember it. It was just... <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was... Like, I watched it being like... You know, it was it was very similar to... I mean, a lot of the movies I watched this year... Like, I only ever watched movies that I actually wanted to watch. But, like, many of them I watched, I was just like, we're going to talk about this one. Mm. And I went into this one being like, we will talk about this one. Mm. And watched it and promptly forgot. I... Pretty much everything other than the fact that they were in, like, a villa somewhere that was not in England. Yeah, so that that's the bit I remember less. Um, so there was um, oh, and they came back, and there was a film star at the yeah. yeah so yeah, the, yeah, so the I um this was the second movie I reviewed this year, and um, me and my friend went to this on opening day at like midday, and we had the entire cinema to ourselves, and we just we had an absolute hoot, you know, like hoot. every fucking crawly burn, we were like cackling at, like you know, cheering every time there was a um, establishing shot of the Abbey um it was one of the best times i've had at the, at the movies this year <laughs> but um but yeah this thing about like there's a movie being made at downton and it's and it's it's one of the films that's set between or set around when um film goes from silent to talkies and so that obviously causes a big issue but I mean, I the the, the film storyline of it, I was like, this is great. I don't know who these characters are, but I'm having a great time with it. The storyline that was like, oh, there's a dark history to, um, uh, what's her name? Um, Maggie Smith's character. Mm. I was like, I don't know who these people are. Yeah, <laughs> and I don't care. No, I had completely forgotten about the whole story where yeah. Lady Mary has to like be the voice of the... Yeah. the that was great. I enjoyed yeah. it. Like, no, no, you're right. It was actually a lot better than I remember because I didn't remember. But now I remember. <laughs> it was good. For yeah. those, for the people who like that sort of thing, that is the sort of thing they like. And it was done well. Hmm. And um, spoilers for it. Uh, Maggie Smith dies <laughs> at the end. I hadn't seen it, Richard. Uh, but you have seen Chippendale Rescue Rangers. Yeah. I love this, this film, man. This is a movie that wants me to like it so bad. <laughs> and it felt like it was made for me, but it felt like it was made for me by someone who I just don't really want to spend too much time with. Like, someone's trying to impress me with it. It felt like specifically me. Like, someone was like, mm. I'm going to make a movie that AJ will love. And because it's so blatant, uh, I had... It felt like something, like, made for you. <laughs> don't say that. <laughs> Cut that out. <laughs> Uh, because of that, like it, it's it. There was a tr like I still gave it a relatively good score, but there was just a a tryhard aspect to it. Like I've I've long championed Who Framed Roger Rabbit, uh, and have, have I think I've said on the podcast that I I'm desperate for like a sequel or some kind of continuation set in the Robert Roger Rabbit universe, uh, and this is it. This is it, mm. and. There's so many things I like about it, but as a total package, I'm just like, yeah. I, I had a fantastic time with this movie. I would recommend it, Jeremy. There's like a couple of things about it. One is that the idea that like the cartoon characters are getting kidnapped and, ha and, and you know, essentially being tortured where their, their features are being changed a little bit. So they're slightly not recognizable and then being sold to like Eastern European knockoffs of films. <laughs> And it's called Getting Bootlegged. And I was like, this is a classic, like, Roger Rabbit. Like, this would be in a yeah, sequel yeah. to Roger Rabbit. The yeah. idea of, and, like, the fact they call it bootlegged. But the other thing that was, like, the just phenomenal fucking thing about this movie is that Ugly Sonic 
the original design of Sonic as a character in this film. No, and it's like played by Tim Robinson, played by Tim Robinson of Tim I think you should leave. Um, the sketch on Netflix. Um, oh yes, yeah, and so yeah, and, and it's and, but the thing is as well, it's not just like Ugly Sonic pops up in one scene. It's like he has a character arc in the film. <laughs> he pops up every now and then, and it's so good. And the way that um. Because, you know, there's been a lot of, like, Disney showing off all the characters they own. This is, it's done quite well here because it makes sense. But um, Disney obviously doesn't own Sonic. It's Paramount Picture. Yeah. But um, the fact that he's, he's only ever called Ugly Sonic. And because he's called Ugly Sonic, it's a parody. And so they were like, I saw it because it was um, directed by the Lonely Island guys. That it's like, um, the they were like, yeah, our lawyers on this film were incredible. And it's like, you know, he's like, I can't speak to how we got these things in the film but our lawyers did incredible work but it's essentially that it's getting around parody like using parody law to be like this is a parody of sonic not sonic but it's the original design from with the human teeth it's and so they good. kind of like they left themselves open to it because they didn't end up using it and yeah yeah there are so many other like non-parody guest stars in this film that it's like like i and it's it's less impressive than how many like come like because both um Warner Bros and Disney were in and Roger Rabbit and that's somehow more amazing maybe because of the time it was in but like well that's also that it's like these two sworn enemies working together to make one amazing film yeah 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 but this is like got got guest stars and like background character appearances from dozens of companies like um the one that made me guffaw was uh they are crawling through the um the air ducts of a of like a a sauna and they look through one of the windows and there's a bunch of characters one of them's randy marsh from south park (laughs) and i was like how do you get randy marsh from south park in a disney plus movie like it's so it it astonished me and like there's there's so many yeah just appearances Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's so many appearances from, like, non... That non-parody appearances from non-Disney characters. It's it's really surprising. And, like, I I, I talk... I it's, it's like I have nothing bad to say about this film, but mm. my memories of it are like, yeah, it was all right. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I love it. It feels like a contradiction. I don't, I don't understand myself. Is it like it's more of an achievement than an enjoyable movie for you? It was still like you're, really you're impressed enjoyable. By the achieve- all oh, right. Okay. I, I, so there's just I, something I, wrong with you at your core. I think it feels again. It feels like it gave me everything I wanted, and so I went. You know, I wept for there were no more worlds to conquer. <laughs> <laughs> I was being like, oh, you're really giving it up too easy. I, I'm I'm not that interested anymore. <laughs> not so much. Just like, just like, I maybe like this this kind of like meta textual. Uh, sense of humor and stuff that has been developing inside me since my young adulthood started maybe now that that's reached its crescendo i'm like oh what else is left like apotheosis (laughs) Mm. is that from harry potter no it's a word apotheosis I look forward to hearing the word apotheosis and like scattered amongst the podcast. Well, I have to learn what it means. What does it mean? Um, I laughed, but I didn't get it. Uh, apotheosis is basically um, like when you said it's the crescendo of this thing. It's like apotheosis is like it's the absolute most you could possibly get of. It's the perfect like it's the thesis. Does um like so does the word thesis, which is like you know the the full argument. um, Apotheosis is kind of in the same. Yeah, presumably apothecary is. 
I would imagine. I mean, it's all something. Latin root words, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Um, AJ, you saw you saw men. Yeah, man. <laughs> You're the only person that saw it, so AJ, you will need to take it from here. Okay, so Men <laughs> is the latest directorial effort from uh, Alex Garland, who I mainly know as writing one of my favourite movies, 28 Days Later, but he's recently become, recently, at the you know, the last uh, five or six years, has taken a, a has started directing films. He did Annihilation. He did Ex Machina, um, two very good films, I think. And this film uh, looked really cool. The trailer was really spooky for it. Uh, it came out and it was, it came out while I was in England. It's funny to think like, like that going through all the movies now, it's like, I've had such an eventful year that I'm like reliving the year mm. <laughs> as, as we're going through. Um, And so I didn't get to see it for a while, but, but when it came out, it was like, something like 68% on Rotten Tomatoes and people were like, Ugh. oh, not good. And I was like, what? It looks so spooky and, and creepy. And I think what, like, I, I liked it and there's, there's stuff I, I d- did quite like in it, but it is very funny in the ways that it is flawed because basically <laughs> um, it's it's about a a woman who goes to this little countryside Airbnb because she's suffering some kind of like trauma that we'll learn about throughout the film. And every man in this village is played by the same actor. Uh, but you know, is it the, Rory, the char- Kinnear? Rory Kinnear, like the, the characters in the film don't necessarily notice this, but we notice it as the audience. <laughs> and, and it's, and it's, it basically becomes a movie about how bad men treat women. Which so is, of basically, course, it's it's yes all men the movie. Yeah, sort sort of sort of, and like you know, these are obviously well, messages. <laughs> <laughs> these are obviously messages that um you know that are, I think are important to the heart of the Cold Popture podcast. But this is an example where progressiveness is done so bluntly and dumb that it it just like like the best review I read for this on Letterbox said, uh, "Hey, great job, Alex. I hope she sees this." <laughs> it just, sound, just feels like such a um, a, like a an apology, a heart on sleeve, like like I'm an ally. Don't yeah, you yeah, get exactly, it? Exactly, exactly. And and there's also like I said that it alludes to like a dark backstory. The dark backstory is told to you very early in the film, and it didn't need to be. And I thought it was so odd how you learn everything about this character in the first act, and then they keep All doing once, flashbacks. Yeah. <laughs> they keep doing flashbacks to the character. To, or to, to her backstory but it's like i know 100 percent of the story now so there's so I, it's it's not subtext it's literally just text yeah yeah and so, so finally a movie does tell you right? yeah, <laughs> that's, that's, that's why i liked it um <laughs> do you guys want spoilers i can tell you some highlights yeah, yeah, or, or, or lowlights of it so her, her dark backstory is basically she had a an abusive boyfriend who when she finally uh you know left his life he jumped out of his their uh their apartment window and skewered himself on a spiky fence below and it's it's pretty full on um and so to give you an example of the like a great job alex i hope she sees this kind of vibe she's explaining this to a priest who's played by rory kinnear in this um in this village and after she finishes he goes right and so you feel bad because you're to blame you know, oh. so it's it's really blatant. It's really I still like them. I think stylistically, it's a very fun movie, but it's also something I cannot resist making fun of. Um, so is it like th- one of those things that 
it's like Alex Garland with almost every line he wrote a man to say in the movie. Yeah. He wanted all the women in the in the cinema to go, Ugh, men. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's how they called it that. And and it ends it ends with a like this forest creature that's like chasing the main character and it keeps giving birth out of a vagina which we get an extreme close-up of and that one's born and then that one slowly dies as it's walking towards her and gives birth out of a close-up vagina and it's it's this whole thing that like evil begets evil begets evil begets evil it's just it's it's a it's a very blatant movie it's 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 very clearly the work of a of a talented storyteller with some really cool stuff to say as we've seen before in Ex Machina and Annihilation. But here it is. It's just like, I relate to it, I guess. I relate to the idea of like making something and everyone being like, this is maybe a bit too far, man. It's a bit, a bit well, too it's, obvious. It, <laughs> it's kind of like, he. Re- it's like he recognizes the importance of the message, yeah. but he hasn't kind of sat with it for long enough for it to Precisely. become artistic. Yeah. He just has to try and put it on screen. Yeah. And it's just, it's a little bit like, um, we just, I mean, speaking of Gemma films, we, we just watched the latest season of the crown. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and the thing about the latest season of The Crown is it's terrible. Um, so, like, the writing is so bad. Because okay. normally the writing is really good. And, like, mm. all the previous seasons, I would say the writing is, you know, the, the Peter Morgan has written it all, and he's the same guy who wrote um, uh, The Queen. Um, mm. And he wrote a play called The Audience. He's very, very good. In this one, it's like he just he just like lost his ability to write with nuance and subtlety. And so, like, he... He has the queen like the the it it finishes and ends with the yacht Britannia. Well, both finishes and ends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the yacht Britannia is kind of like at the beginning and the end of the season, and <laughs> right. and basically it's very clear he's like using the yacht as a as a metaphor for the queen herself, and she even says like this yacht is an expression of my own personhood, <laughs> and then like everything that the people and the newspapers and headlines say about Britannia, she looks at the headline, she's like, this is what they think about me, right. and then in the seventh episode. She is watching TV in her palace and the TV starts flickering and it's kind of like old and it needs to be replaced. And she goes, and Prince William says, I think this television is too old and needs to be replaced. And then she goes, even the televisions are a metaphor in this place. (laughs) <laughs> which is literally a line what a in line. this what a line oh, so bad and like and so you just like and, and I, I get the feeling this is probably it, you just need to sit with this longer mate and just make this into more of a story than a an essay yeah, yeah well, exactly um, yeah. we probably spent a bit long on this film for two that two of us haven't seen <laughs> um, but one that, that two of us have seen the other two um, Top Gun Maverick now this, this was like AJ's big sort of blinding uh, How have big you blind not spot seen this? from for the year right <laughs> Uh, I'll watch it for the Oscars episode, I guess. Yeah, I feel like you're, you're going to watch this in like the worst circumstances possible and just be like, it's pro-military, didn't like it. Um, <laughs> um, Top Gun Maverick is like oh, a feat. It's, it's cinema. It's so it is good. cinema. It's so good. And like I, it just looks so profoundly not my thing, so I never bothered to go. I I thought the, I thought the same thing. I I hadn't seen the first Top Gun until a, you know a few days before I went to go see this, and I watched it. I was like, <laughs> Top Gun's bad, everyone. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Top Gun is not a good movie. Even the eighties cheese of it, like you know, if you just if you have nostalgia for it, whatever. But like, it's just such a like. 
messy film and the vi- the visual storytelling is bad. And like, they only have two songs in the entire soundtrack. Yeah, it's like, if it's they, supposed to be romantic, they play this song. If it's supposed to be exciting, they play this song. But it's like the whole movie is um, two people up in, the, up in planes, up in the air. And you're like, Wait, so what are they doing? Like, are you? why are you guys up in the air? And then just because of limitations of cameras at the time, you can't tell which plane is which. You can't tell like where they, they've got no spatial awareness, nothing. And then I thought the trailer for Top Gun Maverick looked kind of bad. Everyone the, and reviews were starting to come out being like, hey, this is incredible. And I was like, oh, it's just people nostalgic for the first one. Um, but then I watched it and I was like, actually, no, this is fucking incredible. Like, it's, it, yeah, like it's a feat of filmmaking. It's, it's the communication of the story and the way uh, the action is communicated visually is so well done. Like it, the, it, the whole film essentially is prep for this one, um, this one mission. run, this one mission that seems impossible. Um, <laughs> 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 but um, they, it, it does feel like a mission impossible movie to be fair, but they, um, it, yes, there's one mission and they say, okay, the mission is this part followed by this part followed by this part and then finally this part so there's like four parts to the mission and once that, you do the final part it's it, it's over it's a dog fight yeah. and that's the only way that you can succeed doing it yeah. as well and but they tell you it consists of these four things every single time they get in their planes you know which one of those four things they're practicing for you know why they're doing it you know where they are in relation to each other and it's things like that that it's like, you know, watching this on a screen and just being like, oh, I have to watch this for the Oscars podcast. You might not appreciate, but it's like, it's it's that side of it that I was like, this is actually really good filmmaking. It's such a simple story communicated. It's the first film I think Tom Cruise has done that actually deals with the fact that he's getting older. Without spoiling it for you, AJ, the, the, there's sort of like a false climax in the film that it's like, it feels like, oh, the, film, the film's about to end. And then it goes, oh, no, there's another 30 minutes of just straight action. And it is this thing that's like, oh, any other film I'd feel like that's a bit of a cop-out. But just the 30 minutes of extra action is so cool that I'm like, yeah, fuck yeah. Mm. I'll say, like, I'm not, I know, I was, it's it's fun to to make fun. I'm not as, like, anti-seeing it as you maybe might think. I just, it's more of a I didn't get around to it thing as opposed to a... Mm full on and i probably was going to watch it for this episode but then when you told me it's probably going to get nominated for best picture i was like ah oh, fuck it i'll watch it, I'll watch it then, <laughs> i went to go see this in seattle as well i saw this twice so just you know if we're peppering in stories of being in international places it was uh yeah national movie day so all tickets were three dollars in the states and we had like nine hours to kill so i was like oh should, should we go see top gun because you hadn't seen it amazing yeah. No, it, this was so much fun. I I thought all of the younger cast yeah. was amazing. Yeah, like they, they it, it's so hard to essentially with a Top Gun movie, you can't do anything else other than just do it again. Mm. You know, like you can't do like a gritty sequel that deals with a whole bunch like they did a bit of that, but when mm. you say Top Gun on the tin, you've got to do Top Gun. Mm. You know, you've got to have young fun like um, shirtless top- um like yeah. uh, <laughs> beach sports yeah, and you've got to have like young people falling in love and like i think they did such a good job of still having tom cruise and his storyline continuing whilst also giving you the top gun of it all you know and 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 still giving you what the name top gun promises um 
uh, Rooster. It's played by Miles Teller. I thought he was, he was incredible. Great. Glenn Powell as yeah. Hangman was great. So good. And and they and again, it's like they got away with doing the same character beats that you have with Iceman and Maverick in the first one. And um, and and you don't. It's I, I didn't get cynical about the fact. Oh, they're just trotting the same thing out again. Like it's like yeah, the story can be told again, and it can actually be interesting again. Speaking of Iceman as well, his scene's one of the best scenes of the year. Oh, incredible! Yeah, so good. So yeah, so good. Yeah, you. I AJ. I think I think this might actually charm you. Like I'm I, sure. I'm not. I'm not. For the record, I don't want to go out and say I won't like this. I'm too. I've been. T- I'm too world weary of films and how exciting they can be mm. to be like. Well, well, well. I will never be impressed by this movie. <laughs> well, I, I, I do worry that the conversation we're going to have with this is just AJ being like, "It's just military propaganda. I can't support it." And there is an argument for that. But Richard, we do dedicated podcasts to the MCU every year. I'm fine with talking about military propaganda. <laughs> All right, okay, okay. <laughs> I can, I can like it's, it's you can, you can love a movie you disagree with. I don't think that's impossible. I think mm. it's it's more likely to hate a movie you disagree with, but it's not impossible to love a mm. movie you disagree with. Yeah, and it's, and I think Tom Cruise is the expert at getting me to love things that I should really hate. Exactly. What what a great what <laughs> yeah. a great uh, little metaphor buried within it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because we all love like Triumph for the Will. <laughs> I didn't see that one. You'd love it. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Bob's Burgers movie none of us saw uh, Crimes of the Future David Cronenberg's new movie I saw that it was playing at the film festival here uh, disappointed by it it was um, yeah it's a weird movie It's I see people making people's end of year list and it's one of those things that's like you just want to sound cool don't you <laughs> <laughs> Fire Island and Hustle two films no one saw Jurassic World Dominion again we've done a whole podcast of this already but I'm hard to say most disappointing, but it can't, like even expecting just the same quality as Fallen Kingdom, a movie I hated, this was disappointing. Oh, Jurassic wow. World Dominion is like, I didn't know you could still make movies this bad. Oh, wow. With this budget and with, with these people involved. I'd like to reiterate a point I made on our Jurassic Park podcast, but I think is uh, rather salient, if I do say so myself. And also like a really funny thing. have you? Because you haven't seen it, Jeremy? No, I haven't. So this movie works itself into a very specific problem, which is that by the time the climax happens and the characters are running away from the giant made-up dinosaurs because the after <laughs> T-Rex they just started inventing like fiction <laughs> to, to, to be to be interesting. Um so yeah, the characters are running away from this new dinosaur. How many characters do you think that would be, Jeremy, for that to be a, a compelling scene? Oh, I rem- I listened to this episode. Yeah, yeah, they just they kept adding characters. So there, there, there is a shot I will always remember because it's such a perfect visual of like a broken movie where there are they're like cowering behind a car as this dinosaur's causing havoc, and there I I think there are eight characters. <laughs> cowering With, behind the car all of whom you're supposed to know and care about all of whom you're supposed to know and care about none of whom can die like in yeah, terms yeah, of yeah. plot plot armor right because yeah. you can't kill sam neill jeff goldblum laura dern because yeah. they're the classics you yeah. can't kill uh chris pratt, chris pratt. or Bri- bryce dallas howard i think there's maybe another legacy the kid character with them. 
the kid with them, and you can't kill the two new characters because, Jeremy, those two new characters are the only people of colour in the cast. <laughs> so so they, work themselves, they, they work themselves with this problem where it's like, oh, God, the only cannon fodder we have are, are like, the, the people of colour actors. That's it. Put Chris Pratt in blackface. <laughs> because Pratt and I, I just think it's such a it's a unique problem I've never seen a movie have before. And like, yeah. what a, a delicious new like symptom of the legacy sequel to witness. You know, yeah, yeah. If you didn't include it, then you're screwed now. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Lightyear, this is an interesting one. I mean, oh, we've done a podcast around this again, haven't we? <laughs> uh, we, can, we can swiftly move through it. I thought this was better than the rest of the world th- seemed to think it was. Um, it's not great, but I liked it. Yeah, it's fine. It's 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 a disappointing, like, it, because it's a Toy Story movie, it's like, ah, man, I wish they were all perfect, but now this is like... Yeah, kind of I, I saw... Like everything I saw about this just made me feel cold, and I was just like, I have no real interest in seeing mm. this. Fair enough. Uh, Beavis and Butthead do the universe. I I did not realize this came out this year, but um, new Beavis and Butthead movie, AJ, one of AJ's favorite IPs. I need to check it out. You can't say that. I've barely seen any of it. We just covered Do America for the for uh, the Patreon, and I loved it. And you, hated it's so it. bad. Have you seen it, Jeremy? Beavis and Butthead no. Do America. It's oh yes, no, no, age like as in the nineteen ninety eight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw it back when I wasn't allowed to watch it. Yeah, yeah. The, the, I I rewatched a scene from it recently because there's a joke I adore in it. Is it where, excuse me, does the gumbo have corn in it? <laughs> no, it's at the start of the movie when like one of the like sort of uh, wimpy teachers is telling them off for like tr- I think they're trying to steal the the school TV or something, mm-hmm. and this teacher's like, "Boys, we've got to look for other ways to entertain us," and one of them goes, "Uh." You said anus. <laughs> so Enter anus. It took me by such a surprise. I was like, "What? How have I never noticed anus is nested with an entertainus before?" Don't say anus and nested in the same sentence. <laughs> Just to finish off the first half of the year, we're almost at the end of June. Um, Elvis. The- <sighs> you didn't the- see it, AJ. Another no. one that you'll probably have to watch for the Oscars episode. Oh, really? I- no. Please tell me this is not. Please tell me this is not going to get Oscar buzz. I hope it does. I think this film was fantastic. What? Yeah. <sighs> Jeremy has put down Candy Crush. <laughs> <laughs> oh, really? I think this is one of. Don't tell me. I, I think like this is the one of the storyline of this episode of the podcast. There's so many, there's so many spinning plates in this. <laughs> no, there's so many rotating gems, candies. Gemma. Oh right. <laughs> That's good because like your gem is the mm, other one. Right. The I I think this is like a perfect marriage of filmmaker and subject and just this like lavish lifestyle. It's a reasonably long film, like two hours forty or something like that. It was maybe like 2.25 before I even thought to check my watch to see how long it had left. Like, I just, it's so kinetic. It's so exciting. I thought Austin Butler was fucking amazing in the film. Tom Hanks giving one of the strangest performances of his life. Serious. Um, we can agree on that. It's like, it's like COVID took away his acting ability. It seems like he's been in weird <laughs> shit since he got COVID. <laughs> yeah, because um, yeah, Pinocchio as well. Pinocchio, yeah, yeah. Just yeah I, mean, I just, I just thought, Elvis, I thought this movie was fantastic, and it's also like um, another one that it's like this is actually a super interesting story. I didn't realize so much about Elvis's life that he, he never played anywhere outside the states, and just like the control 
Colonel Tom had had over him, and I think it's such an interesting thing that it's a it, the framing device of the film is Colonel Tom Parker telling you the story of Elvis's life to explain why he's not the villain of it, but he totally fucking is. Yeah, no, I I, I thought this film was fantastic. Yeah, yeah, I've, it's weird. I agree with you really hard on some aspects of what you've just said, and yet, man, I was almost revulsed by this movie. Like, I think part of that is also, like, the Baz Luhrmann style. Like, I think, like, I mean... But, I, like... Yeah, I haven't seen, like, something like Great Gatsby, but the idea of the Great Gatsby puts me off. And, like, what I know of it, what I've seen of it, the lavishness of it yeah, puts me off. I, yeah, I think my main issue... Like, so, Austin Butler, incredible. Yeah. I think the first hour of this movie is incredible. I loved it. I was so on board. And then it just kept going. See, I kind of liked how bold that was. I the, the, hated this, this it. film feels like a montage for like two hours. But like <laughs> the the, prob- the problem with this movie is that basically it sets up. I mean, and, and again, you're working with the fact that everyone knows that Elvis died like because of essentially consumption like mm. not not the disease consumption <laughs> what he consumed i was like wow i really did not know the elvis story <laughs> <laughs> did he go on the oregon trail yeah <laughs> it turns out he's actually satine reborn mm. he actually it's funny about the oregon trail because he, he died from the opposite of dysentery essentially <laughs> um it's just that like there's essentially the sort of Damocles, right? Which is mm. hanging over his head. And the problem is that like they keep referring to it constantly. And then there's all these moments where you're like, wait, is this the moment that he's gonna die? Or is this the is this the is this the drug overdose? You're that's like, oh well, kill he's him? not fat yet. Is this yeah, and, and <laughs> then he gets fat and you're like, Oh, is he he's he must be about to Oh, this this must be it. Oh mm. no, 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 it's still going. Okay, oh, and then he's gonna Oh, he's still in America. He's well, okay, still doing to be more fair, he doesn't and... get fat until he dies at the end no, of but the film. I, I just <laughs> Like, there's only so many times they can do, like, the, oh, he's in big trouble. It's not good for him. Oh, things aren't going well. Oh, they're still not going well. Okay, That's a, that's a good point. Richard, how does this compare to the, like, blight of samey musical biopics that we've talked a lot about? Oh, it, it, it like, it, it, um, I think my, my headline for this review was, like, Elvis Bucks Tired Musical Biopic Trends. Right. And, I like, I thought that it was... Um, and again, that it's like, yeah, I mean, there is a lot of the, it follows the same overall beats because it's like, you know, you're starting before he's famous, you see him get famous, mm. you see the effect of fame on him. But I think that it's just like the way the story's told and just how exciting it all is. And like I said, like, you know, like the, you know, like the first single montage in every film yeah, where yeah. like it rises up the charts. Yeah, yeah. That's the entirety of Elvis. <laughs> and, and, it's like it's it should be tiring, and it and probably is tiring. But it's like, yeah, I, I don't know. I just loved how like bold Baz it was. Yeah. Is the montage guy, and yeah. so he that's his like that's where he's an auteur. Like that, mm. sorry, the auteur is my word of this podcast. I'm so sorry for everyone. I thought it was um, apotheosis, a- a- Aphrodite. <laughs> <laughs> um, so anyway, uh, and I I'm I'm on board with Baz and I I you know. Moulin Rouge remains one of my top 10, I think, um, of all time. But um, at least in most watched. Uh, I ju- it, yeah. It, and also, I think, yeah, I mean, we talked about um, 
Bohemian Rhapsody, you know, like getting best editing and really it was most editing. I would say that this film really fought. I mean, I know it's Baz Luhrmann's shtick, but I, it was tiring. And I think the thing for me is that where this movie is the most successful is where there are these set piece scenes where there's like real emotional heft. Like I would say when the scene where he's, um, where he gets drunk on stage and like goes off on Colonel Tom and tells everyone like who he really is. And like that for me, it was just like, Oh, there's real, you know, there's actually something here. And there's also a couple, there's a couple of other scenes like that when he's at a fairground early on in the movie, there, you know, and those are really interesting to me. And I'm like, oh, I, I could get on board with this. I just think that there's too much in between that could have been cut out that I think Baz Luhrmann didn't cut out because he's now the kind of director who can be Baz Luhrmann and no one can tell him no. And I think he really could have used someone else being like, hey, this could be sharper and snappier and more enjoyable if we just cut those things. So yeah. Mm. yeah. Hey, I can see that. But speaking of <laughs> of cutting things down, what say we end part 1 of the most disappointing films of 2022 right here and we'll pick up next week for the second half. What do we think? We made it to the all right, halfway yeah, mark. Yeah, I mean we've here. got yeah, okay. Sounds what? great, AJ. We'll that see you all next week. Fantastic. <laughs> You've been listening to the Cold Bob's boy. Um yeah thank you for listening everybody we'll be back next week with the second half of the year uh if you enjoyed this please consider following us on instagram or twitter and you can join the discord where you can tell us why i don't know let's say uh chip and dale rescue rangers was actually the best or worst movie of the year and that you agree or disagree uh very strongly with what all of us have said uh and if you would like to uh throw in some money to donate to help us keep this truck going you can do that over at patreon.com slash cult um and we'll see you next week guys and stay tuned for the post credit scene coming at you after this music ends this felt like a very impromptu ending compared to how prepared we usually it are. It did. <laughs> Seeing as how we've still got one film to talk about in the first half of the year. Oh, but we'll no. come back for that next week. <laughs> Welcome along to the post credit scene. There's a segment at the end of each episode where if you donate $5 or more over at patreon.com slash you get to give us something to talk about in this, the post credit scene. Richard and Jeremy, who is it from and what is it? Today's one comes to us from Jake who writes, if you could make a documentary on any subject, what would it be? Oh, fucking hell. Um, you go first. <laughs> I'm so fascinated by... I've, I've said this um, many times... Um, that I'm like so fascinated by music um, because I don't understand how it works. Like I don't understand how people can just write music. Um, and so I've always thought that a fascinating um, I uh, subject for a documentary, if you were just make on one person, is uh, Rick Rubin, who's a um, record producer. And I mean, there probably is like documentary, great documentaries about record producers, but I mean, Rick Rubin's got some incredible um ones to his name he sort of popularized hip-hop um with like beastie boys run dmc etc and then moved into like heavy metal with metallica i guess sort of down and then um chilies and the strokes and weezer and then before doing like johnny cash and stuff and it's just like 
and I've, I've seen interviews with him and he talk about you know finding things for songs and throwing these things into the last second and yeah i just find that stuff so fascinating and he's such a prolific um record producer that just to see his process would be fascinating mm. what about you jeremy um i'd probably make a documentary about um an architect called john portman um who is uh he kind of he started his own style of architecture essentially but it's like a very very specific one um he's an american architect from atlanta and he basically kind of like his style of architecture and actually his own architecture kind of took over this entire section of the center of atlanta and then basically if you've ever walked into a hotel that is like the interior of the hotel is this enormous atrium with all of the rooms around the exterior walls that all kind of like have um, kind of corridors that overlook the atrium and then like glass elevators that go up and down inside the atrium. Mm -hmm. That is John Portman. Like he, he came up with that style and everyone, he, it went all over America, even came to Christchurch. There's a, yeah. there was a, um, the Park Royal in Christchurch or what became the Crown Plaza was an imitation of his style. Um, and he, it's just, just, he's a fascinating architect because he's so about the business of architecture. He wasn't just like, I just want to make things that look beautiful. Um, and I just find that he, his style took over American architecture for this very specific period and then died a death very quickly. Um, and I, I used to hate it, used to think it was really ugly. And then in studying more about him, actually fell in love with his whole style and how, how bold it was. Um, and I just, yeah, so I'd want to dig into that more. Awesome. Major? I'd make a documentary uh, where I'd lead an expedition looking for the Canterbury cat. <laughs> the uh, Bigfoot of Christchurch, New Zealand. Uh, we're going to find this thing. We're going to find... Because I reckon... I reckon no one's tried that hard. I reckon that's the thing. I reckon there is something out there. There is a big black cat out there somewhere. But no one's done any, like, paid expeditions to go and find it. So we're going to find the Canterbury cat. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mm. 